I'm Rebecca, and we are Mama Bear Apologetics. Apologetics. We're just two gals talking about life's big questions from a biblical worldview. Because when it comes to the battle of ideas, we need to be able to say, mess with my kids and I will demolish your arguments. You mess, I demolish. Got it? Capiche? (laughs) (laughs) Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Okay, so we are back here talking with Jody again, and uh, if you missed the last podcast, we've been talking about that she raised her children in the church. They uh, they were very active in their youth group. They didn't show any signs, and her, is that your youngest? Yes. Uh, came home after college and said, I don't believe in Jesus anymore, and kind of where she went from that, just uh, again to recap, I met her in a, an apologetic Sunday school where she stood up and she kind of shared that story. And then she went on to say, I I love what you talked about, how you said, okay, you come home, ask me your questions. I may not know the answers, but I will find them and then send them. Tell us a little bit about how you, how you address the questions that he had. We actually went through Lee Strobel's Case for Faith uh, book and Case for Christ. I think we did both actually. And he was at least willing because he does love us and he was trying to honor us. He didn't call us crazy. He just said, mom, dad, this just isn't for me anymore. So we actually spent a summer going through that, but it did not convince him. Uh, After that point, I just said, all right, you know, if things come up, if you have questions, please know I'll answer anything that I can. And if I don't have the answer, I'll get back to you on it. And, um, but number one, that I love you unconditionally. And that is where you have to start. Once Mm -hmm. you have a child that's walked away, Mm -hmm. you have to make a decision, number one, that you're going to love them unconditionally. It's not based on whether they do or don't do what you want in the faith. And number two, you can't lose your joy for Christ because that's the worst testimony you could ever give to your children. Mm -hmm. That if you become just down and out because your child has walked away, what does that say about your trust in God? That right there tells them, oh, well, because I did this, now mom's lost her faith too. She's over here in the doldrums. So you have to continue having your joy and expressing what Jesus is doing in your life. Mm -hmm. I am fortunate that he doesn't argue or fight with us. If I share something that happened about my faith, then he just accepts that. I mean, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to get into a big conversation, a lot of it, but we continue (laughs) continue to express what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I will say that because of what he did and what I then could look back and see our mistakes, it almost inspired my husband and I to be more involved and more hands-on. So uh, we've gone to the North Texas Food Bank with our home group. Our whole church, in fact, is trying to do the, the method is, is to gather uh, as you worship, to grow in small uh, groups, and then to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Oh, yeah, and right. so all of our groups are trying to do that. So I we went one time, we invited Jared. He said, sure, I'll go to that because that meant something to him. Mm-hmm. And so, again, he didn't come back to Christ, but we did that activity. So as my husband and I have been involved in things, we're sharing with him. Now, you look back and you think, why didn't we take our kids to do all these things? Well, we were involved with soccer. We were involved with football. We were involved. Our weekends were eaten up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband was a pilot. He didn't even have a lot of weekends with wow. us because that's when pilots fly. Yeah. So it just didn't happen. And so uh, just trying to, to show Jared, and he's always saying, well, that's really good, Mom. So he likes that we're doing it. <laughs> and uh, at one point, he even became a big brother to a young man for two years just because he was inspired to want to do something 
it still did not, though, bring him back to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So that is where we are right now. He, on his own, thinks he's living a very good and moral life mm-hmm. uh, based on his parameters. Mm-hmm. And we just take the issues as they come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's what we're doing. Well, I love that because I feel like, you know, like I said, you're the original mama bear. Because do you think you would have gone and studied like you did had your son not come and said, I don't believe, I don't believe anymore? Do you think you would have done all the things that you did had it not been for that? You know, it's interesting you would ask me that question because when I went into our women's ministry leader, Liz Church at the time, and said, you know, Jared's walked away from faith and I don't know what to do. And she handed me a Dallas uh, Morning News article and it was talking about the decline of youth in the church. Mm -hmm. And she just said, "Um, I think you can put something together and you can do something about this. Mm -hmm. And she said, you're a teacher, go for it. And so she was my inspiration to like, okay, don't just sit there and be upset about it. What can I do about this? And so it was that impetus that had me put together the whole prodigal series and researching how did we miss it? How, you know, there are other mothers. That's She said, if you think you're the only woman in this church or any churches throughout America who've raised their children in the church, had their children baptized in the church, and then their children walk away, you're crazy. This article says Mm -hmm. it's happening in droves. And so she said, this is very needed. And so that was what began that search. And to understand the sea change we've gone from modern culture to postmodern culture, Mm -hmm. how they look at things totally different. Mm -hmm. We know that the media is hitting them with totally different standards. Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. around their world is being shaken of what we once knew to be absolute truth. Mm -hmm. They only have relativity, what's ever right for now. And that could change in the next year based on whatever happens around the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're dealing in that world, and I was living in my modern world, and come to find out that the translation is what got totally lost. So teaching mothers that sea change and understanding that you have to make Jesus real uh, in order for them to care Mm -hmm. um, was what really was the beginning of it all. Yeah, I really loved hearing about your prodigal series. And so prodigal, uh, I think everybody's familiar with the idea of the prodigal son that uh, walked away from his father. That was a series that you kind of put together. You, you sort of cobbled it together from a couple other books. Which books were they that you put together that series from? Um, definitely uh, Mary DeMuth's book about raising children in a postmodern generation. Mm-hmm. Josh McDowell had uh, The Last Christian Generation, oh, wow. which was an excellent you know, resource as well. And then just looking um, online, other articles and things that uh, the college professor... Jay Budzieszewski. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah. You said the yeah, name. It's a hard name. <laughs> it yeah. was as once I started looking and then looking at the references of what other people use, that would lead me to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so just looking for you know different people's ideas and kind of cobbling it together and just realizing that we're in a new paradigm here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was you know how I kind of tried to pull pieces of uh, it together. And I, I want to say that the new paradigm is postmodern, but the postmodern really only relates to especially religion and such as that. It's, I guess Francis Schaeffer also said the upper story and lower story. The, the, the area that's still in the modern black and white is science. Mm-hmm. And science is kind of like the only area that we can really find absolute truth. All these other areas, it's relative. Mm-hmm. But science is, is the only area that's 
we can really trust. Let's talk a little bit about just the difference. You said you were raised in a different paradigm than the kids are now, that you are in the modern generation and they're in the postmodern generation. And I know that this in your prodigal series was the first week trying to explain that. So why don't you explain to people what, what exactly is the difference between modern and postmodern and how your generation saw the world versus how the generation now sees? I'd say the modern generation was that we um, took that information that was given to us and pretty much accepted it, you know, if it came from an authority. Mm -hmm. Um, There were definite, absolute truths. Mm -hmm. There were boundaries that this is how it is. Um, I think we all didn't question it as much. We did not question it. And partly because when your entire environment also agreed, then... It was the same. I know when I was a child and I was allowed to just run around the neighborhood because most of the moms stayed at home, if I misbehaved, the Mrs. Palmer was allowed to uh, have us all sit down for time out, and there was no problem. If my mother found out about it, she'd say, that was good. I'm glad she did that, and she would do yeah. the same because the values mm-hmm. were the same. Yeah. So yeah. you're coming from something that's very concrete mm-hmm. and um, going from a set of facts and just that this applies, and you just standardly go through that. In postmodern, when you throw out that there are no absolutes, there are no boundaries, everything is relative. It's right for you, it might be wrong for him, but if it's right for you, it's A-OK. They are definitely seeking things in a community, whereas moderns, it was go out there, do it on my own, stand on my own two feet. The mm-hmm. postmoderns, it's definitely more a community, and they want that nurturing and... Which isn't altogether bad. No, it's just different. Yeah. Definitely different. So you have to consider that when you're teaching them, yeah. because it is a very much a sea change. You just look at the number of kids, and I know our economy is in a situation, but there's been economic difficulty. I mean, certainly the 20th century <laughs> had several. Not the first time. Yeah. And so in my time, in my generation, there was certainly the whole oil glut in the 70s, and you stood in lines is what I was trying to say. In America. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so we had, there was a really hard time there. There was never a thought I would go home and live with my parents. N- nobody did that. You just figured out, maybe you had to live four people in a place, and yeah. you just, your bookcase was cinder blocks and wood, mm. but you did it. You mm-hmm. figured it out. Yeah. Now, I mean, they have the highest percentage of, of adult children living at home mm-hmm. than ever in history, mm-hmm. ever. So there's just a whole sea change of the way the moderns looked at it and the way the postmoderns looked at it. And when you're dealing with the kids in that way, you have to also teach them in a different way. Mm -hmm. So how do you think that would relate to if you were teaching your children about the faith? How do you think it would differ from how you would teach someone who is modern versus how you would teach someone who's postmodern? Well, certainly, since I was taught as a modern that, you know, you simply went through the biblical stories and taught the biblical principles and then made application in your life, and it was kind of accepted. Mm -hmm. I would say with the postmodern, you're going to give the story. Well, now, because everything about the Bible they don't accept as truth, now you're going to have to go back as you said, through apologetics and proof, it is historically accurate. Mm -hmm. So just as I taught that fifth grade class, you'd have to go back and go through all of that Mm -hmm. with them. Then I think uh, the difference is is that you then do need to go out into the community and show them the real hands and feet that this means Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. Because to them, it's all just words. If they don't see you Mm -hmm. apply it in your reality, then again, you're a hypocrite. 
because you're saying it, but you're not doing it. Yeah. So they need to see the hands and feet of you actually going out, participating in that. And if you say that um, you want to give, they don't want you just to putting the check in the offering. Mm-hmm. They need to see that you go out and do something with that money. Which we should be doing anyway. Yes. Regardless, children or no children. <laughs> Postmodern or modern. But, right? you know, in the modern time, you had like, we had the little plastic church and we put our little dimes in there. Mm-hmm. And then at the yeah. end of a certain period, you turned your church in. Yeah. Okay, so that's how, how, that? that's how mm-hmm. I did it back then. But I didn't go and see where the money went. Right. The postmoderns want to go and see where did the money go. Which is yeah. actually a great thing. It is. Yeah, I like yeah. that about So, that. you know, I, I, I want to make sure that I'm not coming across that all things postmodern are bad because they're not. It's different, mm-hmm. and it is much more of a struggle yeah. because before the moderns accepted Mm-hmm. This is a fact. Mm-hmm. We'll take it and we'll go with it. Because I said so. Because I said so. Approach, and, yeah. and the rest of the world was in agreement. Mm-hmm. We just didn't have what we have now where everything that was ever considered this is an absolute is now being torn down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just there are just rarely any left anymore, mm-hmm. if you think back or what's going on right now. So if I were to go back and do it now, or if I think about my grandchildren, I want them to go into a soup kitchen Mm -hmm. and know that mommy and daddy gave money and we bought this food and this is who it's for. Mm -hmm. And this is how we help these people. And this community uh, or this soup kitchen is being run by this church Mm -hmm. because we want to do what God said, which is to help the widows and orphans. Mm -hmm. And so you would go through that process with them Mm -hmm. and in all things, whether it's just how they handle issues at school Mm -hmm. or how they handle things out into the world, so that it would mean something to them. Mm-hmm. If their faith doesn't have meaning, they just don't take the words anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's like the I guess the modern generation they would take it on authority. In the postmodern generation, one of the most important things you can do is every single thing that you tell them, you have to go through and prove why mm-hmm. this is true. Like you were saying, it it might be proof in I see examples of it, or it might be proof in okay, let's look at the the you know historical documents of the New Testament, have these stayed the same, did Jesus really exist, stuff like that. So I think one of the things you were talking about, you know, the the orphans and widows, in in Jesus' time that kind of literally meant the ones whose husbands have died and the ones who have no, you know, father and mother. I think we have a new generation of what does orphan and widow mean because we have parents that are leaving their family we have kids that maybe they have a dad, but they see him once a year. Or there's some of them you hear about, they they have parents, but they're the ones that are smoking weed with them. They're the ones that are taking them to drink, buying them their condoms, you know. Is this someone who, is this really having a dad? So it's like, I feel like you can have orphans in some way who still kind of technically have parents. And so some of the service that you're talking about right there is still serving the orphans and the widows in the biblical sense that we're called to, it's just going to look different during our time. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think like having kids in your home, mm-hmm. that it's very important in today's times that you make your home a place where your mm-hmm. children want to bring their friends. Mm-hmm. And as you just said, their friends could come from such a different background, mm-hmm. each one having mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they could have several sets of divorced parents or, I mean, just a a variety of combinations thereof, as as, as we've seen in society today. So for them to be able to bring their friends and for you to be able to just talk openly about faith things in a very natural way, Mm -hmm. that they could see that. 
I think that helps the kids to know also. And then that brings in dialogue. You know, kids as they leave might ask, your mom did that, you said this, you know, and and then that can lead to something. So it gives them a chance to express their faith as well. And think about it really challenging them to think about it. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes back to what you and I have talked about before, that we can be mothers of physical children, but there is so much value to being a mother of Mm. spiritual children, to be a spiritual mother to Mm. someone that they don't even have to be your kids in order to do that. And I think especially right now with having women that are either not not getting married, I mean, there's so many godly women that are not getting married Mm -hmm. or ones that are infertile, to limiting the idea of having children to these have to either be you know, from my body or there have to be adopted and living in my home. No, you can be a mom Mm -hmm. to so many kids. And I think that's just such a great example, like you were saying, of bringing kids in. I don't know if this is related, but you meant you were, I was talking to you earlier and you mentioned that you felt pretty confident that probably you and your husband are not going to be the ones that lead your son back to the Lord. It's mm-hmm. going to be someone else. Um, I don't know that how that might tie into this idea of them being able to... Yeah, that, that would be the spiritual parents that, are mm-hmm. on, that we're having to rely on. It's kind of like what you were talking about where the kids are going out from... Like when you were a kid, they would go out and you knew that Mrs. Palmer and you know all these other parents are watching and that they're going to discipline and they're going to do these... Uh, they're, they're going to, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, I think, in some ways. That is part of the, the community of Christ, looking after other people's kids or just looking after your friends who, I mean, there's parts of us, all of us have that kind of inner child that we talk about that are still hurting, that we can minister to those sides. And like you said, that it may not be you that brings your children back, but you are relying on other spiritual parents. And that's kind of a way that we're all interconnected. So Rebecca, you had a comment earlier about just the idea of how the postmoderns are seeking community. Mm-hmm. And you were mentioning, Jody, that they they desire community, they desire action, but that that community aspect. And I kind of I thought, you know, in the modern era, when you were describing it to me, when you were a child running in the street and your parents could count on the other parents. That's community to me. Today, we don't have that. I would love to be able to do that with my children, and I cannot. Um, I think we have less community today. Um, It's creating all kinds of problems. I think that's one reason why we have more anxiety and depression, too, is that people don't have those kind of communities that they can lean on and rely on. When I first had my my first child, I was in shock. I'm like, I'm taking her home from the hospital. I'm like, I have to keep this thing alive. And I had my mother, and my my mother-in-law came and helped. But I still felt very isolated. And when they left, I I mean, I thought, okay, how am I going to do this? In their day and and other in in the past, there was a whole community of moms around them, neighbors. None of my neighbors are even home during the day. So, I mean, our times have changed. We're finding community online. It's not, but it's not tangible. So I just thought it was interesting. That's the one thing that they seem to really long for, too. Well, I think the reason they long for it is the fact that they they don't have it. They don't have it, yeah. And we are seeing that, and I think... Or um, they, ha- they have they have some community, but it's a, like a false community, like on... on yeah, it's, it's the pseudo-community, and it, there's a the book, I'm sure people have heard of it, Fahrenheit 451, that I thought was very prophetic in describing people outside a community, and I think it's interesting that it kind of foretold reality television that the characters in there are watching uh, walls, you know, also flat screens, walls of TV <laughs> where they, they refer to them as the family. Yes, and, that's right. And they refer to them as if they're real people. And it's like, that is exactly what we have with reality television. That's almost like we don't have enough relationships around us that I have to watch TV and I kind of live 
as part of those, it's like I'm in their community, even though they don't know that I'm there. It is that craving to know and be known. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just lacking. And yeah, they don't have it. I think the church family needs to do more as far as helping those moms, just because you said they're so isolated because mm-hmm. society today, so many people do work outside the home. Mm-hmm. And there are obviously, there are times when it's just absolutely necessary. I mean, if you yeah. have to pay your bills, you do. Yeah. There are times when you can make choices too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a little bit different in the two postmodern and modern, the expectations of mm-hmm. what is like the leanest you can live. Whereas in in my day, I mean, it makes it sound like back in the day, it wasn't that long ago, (laughs) but we had one car. I didn't even have a dryer for years. We just hung our clothes out. I mean, it's just what it was. Now it's just, you can't imagine without having two cars and all the kinds of things. Well, that costs more. Yes. So, you know, it's what are you willing to go without, you know, and college costs more and college costs more so many things. Mm -hmm. But as far as what the church community can do, I, I just think about what Crossroads Bible Church has begun, and that's a group called Moms Together. Hmm. And they have groups, I think it's about eight women per table, but they have a mentor mom in each group. Mm -hmm. So you have a woman who is more seasoned, who's Mm -hmm. been through things, then the mothers can discuss Mm -hmm. what they're going through, Mm -hmm. and the mentor mom can give, because we at least have hindsight, we may not have done it all right, but we can at least look back and say, we tried that, you know, that didn't work with us either. (laughs) Maybe this would be better so that they can ask those questions and then be real about you know what's really going on and then how to share that faith and so I love, that's important I love that happening within your church community too I did join a mops group and it did help a little bit but that wasn't my church yeah. and um I I did not feel the connection because I wasn't seeing them on Sunday I, you know it so it was a little bit harder um I love a, a church actually doing that with the women there yes. yeah yeah, and a lot of times I think women do go back to work because they don't have community. Mothering is not just the hardest job in the world. It is now the loneliest job in the world because you don't have all those other mothers that are on the street. And so the only place they can have people around them is work. And so, I mean, I know that that would be very attractive to me if I felt like I was completely by myself as a mom. So, Jody, you talked about when your son left and you started doing all this research on, on your own that you actually came up with a program for women whose uh, children have walked away called the Prodigal Series. So why don't you walk through a little bit, and this is something we might, uh, if, if women are wanting this in the future, actually have this series on, on the website. Tell us about that. I think you said it was a six-week program. Right. So uh, what I tried to do was um, the women that I had come to me were already having their children go through this. So part of it was, of course, trying to minister to them in the situation they were in. But also to explain kind of where we got there, because if you've had a prodigal child, you heap guilt upon yourself that this was all your fault. Mm -hmm. And so I felt it important to go back and look at what happened. Again, we discussed already the modern and postmodern, but some of them had never even heard those words. So that's kind of where I started. So the first week, the question is, how has our postmodern culture changed our children's view of Christianity? So we discuss what are the differences, which we have already done somewhat uh, in this podcast. But just looking back, uh, there are just some basic things. A modern clings to facts and logic. A postmodern person questions whether facts are completely knowable and whether logic is the avenue to discovering how to navigate life. That's a huge sea change in how they look at something and the other. It's no longer individual personal happiness. 
being the focus of life. You're independent. You go out there. You're going to make it happen. The postmodern is more the the betterment of the complete community. Mm -hmm. And how can that be involved? And I think we've talked about because they're so isolated, they really seek community. Mm -hmm. So that first thing was just explaining the difference between modern and postmodern and how the children today are relating to things. After that, then the second group was, why are our children leaving or questioning their Christian faith when they leave home? And so then we got to talking about the Christian bubble, that we put our kids in a cocoon. We could tell some things were changing. There were some things, music going on we didn't agree with, (laughs) movies going on we didn't agree with. So we just kind of started pulling in a little bit. But the problem with that is we made our bubble. The kids go leave the home. Now Mm -hmm. the bubble gets burst. Now they're out there and they're ill-equipped. And it's kind of like if you want to take it back to the garden where... Satan says, oh, you know, God said not to eat this when the woman saw that it was good for food and it was, what was it? Pleasing to the Yeah, to the eye or something like that. It's kind of like our children, we say, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. They go out to college and all of a sudden they see, oh, this is not only fun, but I can make more friends doing this. And it doesn't seem to have any repercussions. Mm -hmm. You have that same lie that's being perpetuated. They won't find out later till this this road leads to death, mm-hmm. but um, or heartbreak or mm-hmm. you know emotional problems. And then we and we talked about that whole sea change of our entire culture wrapped around uh, where our children go now, especially in the college environment. That they are very anti-Christian. I mean, yeah. that mm-hmm. is just that's out there. <laughs> that is quite easy to see, mm-hmm. and therefore um, they are being inundated with. You're here to be your own thinker. I think that's something that came through to me. Mm-hmm. My son kept saying, I'm supposed to make up my own mind about these things. Yeah. And when we were younger, you respected your elders and you accept what your parents said. And I don't take what he said to be disrespectful to me, but what he's saying is the culture is telling me that I really don't have to accept anything you tell me. I can start out all new. Mm-hmm. Whereas before you wanted to bring the culture and the heritage and the generational things with you. Mm-hmm. But now this postmodern is saying, we've got all the science, we've got all the answers. We really don't need mm-hmm. what you were taught before. Actually they're, that's they're, antiquated. They're, they're not really making a blank slate. They're 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 creating the tabula rasa, the blank slate, but then they're filling it in with their worldview. Well, right. It's that buffet view. But also <laughs> like one of the things with apologetics is you're talking about how they're being encouraged to think for themselves. The thing that when you when you when you go into that environment they say they're, 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 they understand the postmodern that what I say has to have reasons. So guess what? They, the people out there that are trying to uh, completely change your child's view on, on Christianity and all those things, they've got reasons. Mm-hmm. They've got historical evidence, quote unquote. They've got philosophy. They've got archaeology. They've got all these different science. things. Yeah, they've got science. They've mm-hmm. got all these things. And they have already studied to give your kids who we already have talked about, value reasons, they give them reasons. And if we're coming at it to where we have not given them any reasons, if you are raising a logical, reasonable child, you should expect them to leave. That's a proof that you have raised a good, reasonable, rational child. They can't, com- they can't you know, because my pastor says so, can't compete with all these other evidences, and especially with the way, like you said, with the postmodern mind. Exactly. Yeah, well, and I think that hits on another thing. We have to teach our children not only reasons, but 
how to think critically, yes. period. How to be able to listen to what someone says. Um, they have a presentation of quote-unquote evidences, and they can see that they're quote-unquote evidences, you know, to be able to see through that. Yeah. Um, I Just that whole ability to do that is is key. I, I think it's lacking. Yeah. Okay, so that was which, which so week So that was that? week two. So week three, then the main focus question of that study was how can we live out our faith in front of our children so they can witness the reality of Christ's transforming power. Mm -hmm. So it really, uh, for the parent, is making things real to your kids. We tend to protect them so much. Mm -hmm. And we need to, if there's an issue with a neighbor, we need to let them know how we're dealing with that in a Christ-like way. But that Mm -hmm. there's an issue there. If there's issues with finances or uh, problems in the family or, you know, just whatever's going on to be open and not just continually shield them from Mm -hmm. everything. And Mm -hmm. then the involvement that you have, I think, Somehow by osmosis, I thought that I was doing all these things for the church, that it was like running over onto my children. No, um, I need to do things, but then show them how it's real for me. What does that mean to me? And so that they can see it made a change in my life. It is not about the doing. It's about the relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and then encouraging them to have a relationship with, with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is where a lot of us have made mistakes, that it's like, okay, we have a relationship with Jesus. It's going on over here, but then not owning it and handing it over to them Mm -hmm. and saying, now you need to build yours as well. And I think that also gives us a higher standard. So when we know that we're letting our children see how we're dealing with our neighbor, how we're dealing with this. Or anxiety and depression. And depression. When they know, when they see it, also that holds us accountable because we know they're watching. So exactly. what do we want to model to them? We want to model those beatitudes that Jesus taught. We want to model really what is loving your neighbor really mean, turning the other cheek, um, giving them your cloak when they've taken your shirt, you know, yeah. all of that. How do we put that into play? That will hold us accountable because that's hard to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something so. just as simple as say you have someone sick in the church and you make the meal. Let them help you make the meal. Mm-hmm. Let them go with you in the car. Might take more effort to get them all in the car. <laughs> yeah. Let them go and help give that food to that person. Yeah. So it all is connected. So they're part of it. So they're too. a part mm-hmm. of of all that you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of you're just doing it and then you tell them about it. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I, I like that. that. So then week four goes into the aspect of finding out what areas you think your child is struggling in, what is hindering their faith. Mm -hmm. And it's just a series of questions to go through and ask them things like, do they have a reality of Christ? Are they not sure about their salvation experience? Mm -hmm. Do they think they just did it because Susie raised her hand at VBS so they did too? Mm -hmm. Have them really talk that out. Do they not understand how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Where I think my son definitely, he was trying to do all the things, mm-hmm. but was there, there that real reality, that connection with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Understanding how the Holy Spirit communicates. Mm-hmm. That can be a struggle for kids because they That's don't understand what, yes. what that means. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a big, it's a big thing for us all to understand. Mm-hmm. Assume since they have uh, asked Don't assume since they ask questions that they aren't saved. Parents get frightened sometimes when your children do ask questions, Mm -hmm. but it's important to ask those questions and to get those doubts answered. Mm -hmm. So having those conversations 
are important. Don't go, well, why are you questioning that? Yeah. Make Say, them feel bad. Because yeah, don't yeah. make them feel bad for don't asking. Actually, we have a fellow mom apologist you've mentioned before, Natasha Crane, yes. where she actually... Um, Weekly, will ask their ask her children to ask her a question about God. What are you thinking? Do you have a question about God? And it's like a game. Like, what's the question of the week? What's the question of the week you have about God? What's something you've been wondering about? So I've done that a few times, not consistently. I should be more consistent. And one of the first things that my youngest, she was five at the time, she says, "Well, how did Jesus pray to God when He is God?" And I was like, "Okay, (laughs) she's thinking about the Trinity," you know. So. They really, they have these things and, and, and create, I love how you said, don't um, make them feel bad because they have those questions yeah. that that's actually okay. Yeah. Well, it's also like uh, <clears throat> Natasha said, I know we're like big Natasha fans here, but the number one proof that your kids aren't internalizing their faith is when they don't have questions. Mm-hmm. Like just even as a teacher, I remember asking, does anyone have any questions when nobody raised their hand? That's when I know you're kind of worried. (laughs) Nobody, nobody understood anything I just Mm -hmm. said, because it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And I like this list right here because kind of like the fifth grade class, nobody would have known that these kids just thought these were stories. Had you not asked, is this real or are these just stories? And I think knowing the questions to ask your kid and encouraging them to ask you questions, both of those things right there will help you get to the heart of the problem if there is a problem. And I think you modeled this too. When and don't be afraid if you don't know the answer. Have you know? Show your tell your child, well, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to research it. And I think you did that with your son. Yes. Yeah. And that kind of humility. And, and the fact that he has this category that mom can have questions, not know answers to things, but it doesn't rock her faith, I think is important too. Yeah. Um, just a couple others. If you notice, do you, does your child have, have lack of contact, lack of contact with a discipleship group? If they're not involved at all with any other Christians, yeah. except when they show up at church, yeah. because where who else are they going to discuss with 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 you but then also with their peers mm-hmm. but do they have peers who know Christ well, it's yeah. showing you who they relate with and if they haven't internalized their faith they're not going to relate well with other people who have they're going to relate with people who haven't internalized the faith or just don't even yeah. believe and do they have other mentors besides a parent we talked about uh, before we went on air, that there are certain things your kids don't want to say because they don't want to disappoint, they don't want to feel like you might not love them. But to someone who isn't their parent, they don't associate that parent-love relationship. Mm-hmm. So they could ask the question of some a trusted person. Mm-hmm. Kids have an association with mom and dad, and the number one thing they want is to know you love me unconditionally. Mm-hmm. So often they will not ask those questions. Or that you're proud of me. Yeah, because they're afraid, well, what will mom think of me mm-hmm. if I ask this question? Mm-hmm. So So trying to guide your child and trying to help find a mentor that you know would be giving biblical and godly principles to your child, Mm -hmm. that's important as well. And that brings back the spiritual parents right Mm -hmm. there. And if your child complains all the time that the church is boring and not relevant to them, that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. And you need to consider that. And if it's an issue and you try and address that issue, you have to really become honest. Is it time for me, just for this period of time, to maybe take my child somewhere that they mm-hmm. can find a more relevant uh, church atmosphere yes. for them? Well, also kind of, a, a, you were talking about earlier before we started about the idea of we got to be careful that are we talking about relevance or are we talking about fun? Because I think you said, uh, you know, if all we have for them is fun, as soon as they, uh, you know, at the church, 
once they get out of school or out of, out of your house, they can find fun in other places. So what would you say the difference is between I'm bored, this isn't fun, they don't have enough, you know, pizza parties and games versus I'm bored, this doesn't seem relevant? Um, I would say, as you could see how they're not making any connection in their life to the things that they're learning. You know, mm -hmm. if something happens and they'll say, oh, you know, we talked about that in Sunday school, you know, about this and... Um, I, you know, I have an issue with this person and that we're going to be dealing with that. But if the main thing about, first of all, if it's just games all the time is, mm -hmm. oh, I like to go, they give us pizza and we have parties. Well, okay, where's the Jesus issue coming mm -hmm. up in there? Um, and also if they just come back and, and if you ask them, well, what did you discuss today? And you, they say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. They have no clue. There was nothing that rang a bell whatsoever. Yeah. Those would be the kind of indicators. So are they applying some things? Can they discuss it? You should be able to ask a question and them to at least be able to tell you something about what happened. Yeah. And then you can carry that forward. We know that the church is not the be-all and end-all of where our children learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, in my group, my generation... You did, but you went Wednesdays, and you went Sunday mornings, and you went Sunday evenings, and there was just a lot more community yes. as we discussed. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't happen as much now. Yeah. So you certainly have to further that education, yeah. but there should be something relevant that made, you know, click something in their head yeah. that you could at least discuss with them. If they're going, I don't know, I didn't listen to them, it made no sense to me then those are some red flags yeah. that you need to think Someone about. Someone told me the other day, a friend of mine that's also in um, youth ministry said, they view youth ministry as um, the same way missionaries go into a new culture. They understand the culture and they learn how to speak the message and tailor the gospel without compromising to the needs and the language and the, the customs of that culture. And in some way, youth are like a whole culture in and of themselves and it's always changing. Yeah. And so you have to understand the language that they're speaking right now because like you said, they're going to sit there and they're not going to... Yeah. Um, so you have to understand that, like that postmodern... Um, uh, conversational style you know well it can also be a little bit like what you said where you said that y'all have a question you know what's the question of the week maybe just know that when you go to Sunday school okay uh we're, we're gonna go lunch afterwards and I want you to pick one thing from from Sunday school and we're gonna talk about that mm -hmm. yes yeah absolutely well sometimes churches might have something in the main sermon you know where the adults are and then they're going to teach the same type of principle mm -hmm. down where the kids are. And so you might say, well, we talked about Jonah. Mm -hmm. What did you learn about Jonah? Yeah. And then putting the two together so mm -hmm. that there would be some connection there. Okay, so these questions right here, that would be week what? That was week four. Okay, week four. And remind me what week four was again. That was just about your children, um, how they're struggling in their faith. How? What are you seeing in their faith and how can you then identify things to help them okay. you know, in that faith area. Then the last two weeks really focus much more on the aspect of you've got a prodigal. Mm -hmm. How do you deal mm -hmm. with, this, with the fact of having a prodigal? Mm -hmm. And there were, uh, I specifically used uh, Phil Waldrop, who did an excellent series on that, uh, being practical with your prodigal. And that came about... Six basic things that you would think of. Number one, you do not want to lose your joy mm -hmm. when you have a prodigal child so that they can still see that your faith matters. Mm -hmm. um, you aren't going to crumble under all of that. Mm -hmm. Number two, you've got to show your child that you have unconditional love for them, mm -hmm. no matter what choices that they're making as far as that you love them. Mm -hmm. if, they, if they're 
it's one thing to say they're walking away from the faith. Some children walk away from the faith and then go on to add other things to that. Some don't. My son did not. He um, finished school, excellent, has an excellent job, and uh, lives a very moral life. Mm-hmm. So, um, was and it I, a cascading effect for no, him? No, it was not. And we're very, very proud of all that he's accomplished. He sounds like a very talented individual. He can yeah. pull himself up by his own bootstraps. Very, very much. <laughs> he's very, very modern very much. Much. <laughs> Yeah, very much. I just feel that his life would be so much richer and fuller and, of course, complete with yeah. Jesus in it. Yeah. But, um, but there are some whose children not only turn from the faith, but then go off into other directions. So that unconditional love. But uh, the third element is that you do not enable your child and keep rescuing them. If they are going to make these choices, then you've got to let them go that path so that at some point, and we don't know how far, what's bottom to some people, Mm -hmm. that they would then turn around and reach out to God. Yeah. Now, they may come to you as well, but you cannot be the one who keeps intervening or they'll never reach up towards the Lord. Yeah. They'll just keep going, Mom, fix this. Dad, fix this. Mm-hmm. Get me out of this trouble. I won't do it again, I promise. They have to hit a bottom, and it usually does take some major event. Yeah. And they don't turn to you. They'll turn to God. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you say, for, uh, for some people, those might seem like two competing things. How do I love my children unconditionally and you know, allow them to crash and burn. Cause I think sometimes people see love as helping however I can. So how would you distinguish those two things? Well, when you love someone, if you were to continually to enable them to go down a path, like say, I need more money, but yet you know they're buying drugs with that money, mm-hmm. that's not loving them unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just enabling them to do something. So to always, um, you know, if they came to your home, you would sit them down, you would give them food, you would hug on them, Mm -hmm. you would encourage them, and you wouldn't just sit there and just constantly pour the negatives at them, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, you would have to be honest. If you love someone, Mm -hmm. you're going to tell them the truth. Mm -hmm. You gave a couple of really good stories of just examples of people who have had to have that that tough love with their kids. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit of those examples? I think one of them was... Uh, Well, at one point, um, I have a family member who had a a son that got into drugs. And finally, they had enabled several times. But finally, at one point, Mm -hmm. they had to just say, I can't rescue you again. If you go to jail, I can't get you out. All these things. I love you. I want the very best for you. But I cannot continue Mm -hmm. going down this path with you. The, uh, the, The child ended up getting arrested. Mm -hmm. But you know what? The first person that they came back to afterwards, they had to have the result. They lost a job over it and other things happened. But they came back to that parent and said, I love you and I'm so sorry. I now realize you were Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So because they kept a door open, Mm -hmm. I cannot continue to enable you to do this, but I love you. Mm -hmm. Then they came back. And that parent was there through the whole ugly you know, of losing the job and it coming out that they were doing the drugs and it affected other situations. They were with them through it. But they had to let that child eventually crash and burn in that situation. So that would be that unconditional love, that you don't burn the bridge uh, unless it's unsafe for you. And there are situations where it could be unsafe for you. And if that's the case, then you may have to say, I can't see you until whatever it is, if mm-hmm. there is something really dangerous going on. Yeah. There is there is that situation. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
you have to use discernment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that is all the time that we have right now. We might have gone over a little bit, but um, as always, we like to uh, close out Mama Bear with a prayer. So, um, Rebecca, would you like to pray for us? Absolutely. Father God, we thank you so much for um, this lady, this Miss Jody. Thank you so much for her heart and what you um, given giving her the strength to turn what was um, I know. A, a huge struggle in her life and a heartache and turn that into a ministry to help other um, parents. Um, Father, I, I thank you for her heart and what you have enabled her to do and I just pray that you continue to bless it. And I hope that those listening out there um, were encouraged and motivated um, to um, just take this seriously. Uh, thank you again for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much, Jody, for being here. Thank you. Mama Bear is out. Mama Bear. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. Have you been stumped by your kids already? Or maybe you have a nagging question of your own that you think would make a good podcast. Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we will do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, mama bears. We are all in this together.